Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Schward Consulting for sponsoring this episode. Schward Consulting is a leading solar consulting firm dedicated to design, engineering, and owner's representation in all areas of solar photovoltaics for the commercial, industrial, and utility markets. Thank you again for sponsoring the podcast. Remember, by you saying no to something, yes to everything or yes to certain things, you're saying no automatically to other things. Of course. And everyone's time is limited. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. This is a guest interview that I did on another podcast called The Formula by Timothy Roman. Timothy is the CEO and founder of Roman Media Group, which is a digital marketing company. And he was also featured in the New York Times bestseller by Gary Vanderchuk called Crushing It. This podcast, we talk about being a part of a startup accelerator, investing, solar, and podcasting. I hope you enjoy this guest episode that I was on on The Formula Podcast with Timothy Roman, and make sure to check out his podcast as well. Thank you. What's up, podcast? You're at the office. <laughs> Got an exciting guest. We actually met totally randomly at our real estate get together through an associate, I guess you could call her, right? And then we kind of hit it off. We have similar ideology on the state of entrepreneurship and business. So I quickly, from what you've told me, I got super excited and pumped about your background, what you do. And that's kind of like what I'm aspiring to do right now is this next chapter in my life. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, definitely, Tim. I appreciate you having me on the Formula Podcast. My name is Benoit Thanj, and I'm the CEO and founder of Renew Energy. We're a solar company based in Jersey City, New Jersey. We develop commercial, industrial, and utility-scale solar projects. Actually, one of the high-profile projects that we're working is with the New York Housing Authority, with putting solar on 38 different buildings in Manhattan and Brooklyn. We're also actually providing that solar energy to low-income housing. And then we're also training NYCHA residents through job training to also install the panels. So my background's been really in renewable energy and solar. I was at Tesla Solar City before I started my company seven years ago. I was at another solar company, a private equity firm, Deloitte and their energy group and a hedge fund. And then we spoke about this, Tim, as well. I'm invested in a lot of different businesses. I'm all about passive income. And it was amazing how we hit it off. You yeah. know, Jacqueline, who's been on your podcast, who's associate and a friend, made the introduction and thought that there would be something. And we only spoke actually pretty briefly, but we really hit it off. And Absolutely. We've had as well great conversations since that. So thank you. Of course. For no, thanks me. for being me. I was, again, I was just really taken away by one, can't even imagine the depth of your knowledge when it comes to starting businesses, scaling them, plus your knowledge on subject matter of, you know, renewable energy, um, you being invested in multiple companies. You own restaurant, from what I understand. You're one of the founders of a BNI group. So like, <laughs> yeah. where did, where did like, so take me back to where it was like pretty linear and basic. Sure. I don't know if it was ever linear yeah. or basic. <laughs> so what really actually got me into entrepreneurship is both my parents actually had their own business. Awesome. So my mom is a pediatrician. She has her own practice in the Bronx. And then my dad had a lighting company that sells light bulbs, ballasts, and fixtures to small businesses and corporations. So since I was 13 or 14, I was involved in both my parents' businesses, more specifically my dad. And there was a certain period of time where I pretty much did all the different functions of the business and ran the business. And I remember summers when I had my driver's license or college, 
I would actually be doing deliveries. So I would wow. actually be driving a van for 12 to 14 hours a day all over the New York tri-state area delivering light bulbs. So I think that's what really got me wanting to do an entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Really, the main things is kind of controlling your own destiny, um, not having to report to someone. Obviously, you report to your clients. And then the freedom that you could get. I mean, I think with entrepreneurship, financially, it has the most opportunity, obviously, of making money versus working at a corporate job. And then to kind of go briefly through my progression is I worked at my first corporate job was at a hedge fund called DE Shaw, which is a multi-billion dollar hedge fund where I was an intern and that got, really got me interested in finance. I went to NYU mm -hmm. and had a finance background. And then after I graduated, I actually worked at a company called Ernst & Young mm -hmm. and their yep, valuation yep. practice. And then I went to Rutgers for my MBA in finance. And then I worked at Deloitte actually between my first and second year of my MBA. And I was also in finance there. And then that's how I got into energy. And then I moved from there. I worked at a healthcare company doing corporate development, corporate strategy. But then I worked at a private equity fund that invested in renewable energy projects. And it was a small private equity fund based in Ridgewood, New Jersey, now in Montville, called Ridgewood Energy. And that's what actually got me interested in renewables. That's where I get, became passionate about it. And about 10 years ago, I did all this research and I felt that solar was going to be the next big thing. Right. And a lot of people told me I was wrong. I didn't know what I was talking about. And it's been amazing. I've been in the solar industry now for 10 years. Wow. I basically worked at Solar Installer called Vanguard Energy Partners, where I did project finance work. And then I worked at Solar City Tesla, mm. which is an Elon Musk company. Mm -hmm. And I worked for his cousin, Lyndon who was the CEO of Solar City. He was also the head of the finance department at that time and I had the opportunity to meet Elon, which was amazing. And then I thought that, hey, I have to start my own company. I have all this great experience. Solar City was actually one of my first clients. And then I started my own business. Meanwhile, that was about seven years ago in August, which is amazing. And then I was kind of hustling on the side for two years before I actually started the company. And then over time, I started actually investing in other businesses. Wow. So that's actually a great question and segue because that's sort of me being in business now a little over three and a half years. I'm finally feel like I'm in a place where I'm able to sort of do that. Yes. And no mentors, no parents that know anything about business. It's Definitely. sort of just been all trial and error, you know, that's, like hustle and blood, sweat and tears and sweat that's equity. What it's about. <laughs> that's it, right? That's what it's about. So you definitely have all those same characteristics. What would you say or what would you recommend to someone like myself who is has a successful business or now I'm on my second business and launching a third, but hasn't stepped out and is looking to invest not just in things like real estate, sure. but in a, in a business, shed some light on, on that. Yeah, definitely. So for me, investing in another business, I really have to ha trust that person. So usually I have to know them for a period of time or work with them. I don't blindly go into the business without knowing the founders of the company. I have done that though, when close friend has vouched for me about a person, but then also I have to see like a track record of success. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have a track record, then I'm hesitant to invest. And then really where I'm more of a silent partner helping with strategy. And it's, I would say those are the big things. And really, if you could trust the person, you see their vision, 
you see examples of that and then basically them having a track record of success and then them being easy to communicate, easy to work with, extremely transparent, mm-hmm. honest, trustworthy. And mm-hmm. I see so many business opportunities now because I've invested in several businesses. I would say 97% of them I say no to them because that's not the right opportunity for mm-hmm. the various reasons that I mentioned. So. Now, are these the businesses that you invested in, are they directly related to the space that you're in now? Or are they completely opposite? Sure. I'm invested in two renewable energy companies. One is an, another solar company that does something a little bit different in solar. They actually find ideal sites for utility scale solar projects. I knew the founder of this company for actually a few years. And then I basically was provided sweat equity mm. to basically help them out. They were a startup company. I actually helped them raise some of their initial funding for their company and help them with bringing the potential buyer of projects that they solar projects that were early stage. So then basically for that value, I was provided equity into that company. And then I actually invested in a company that basically takes municipal solid waste, which is your trash from the landfill, and they convert it to ethanol or energy. Hmm. And basically it's a patented technology that a scientist worked 15 years on after he watched Back to the Future. I don't know if you remember the movie, but at the end of Mm -hmm. the movie, Doc comes back from the future, takes the garbage from Marty McFly's garbage can, puts it into the car for energy. Well, a scientist saw this and said, he has to work on that. So he spent 15 years creating that technology. And then we're actually, they're developing the first project with this technology in Maryland. So those are two businesses that I was very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Then I've actually invested in, now let me count actually, two, three, six restaurant and bars. Wow. So one is a bar in Jersey City called Hudson Hall, which is a Czech beer garden and smokehouse. And basically my, it's a friend of mine who started Hudson Hall. He has a lot of successful experience with the restaurants and bars in New York and New Jersey. And I could trust him, we're Mm -hmm. friends and he's extremely transparent. And I came in more in a reorganization where they were actually reorganizing the ownership group. He told me what their strategy was because it wasn't doing as well as that they would liked and kind of gave me the strategy that they were doing going forward. And that's why I invested in that. And it's interesting because from that opportunity, came investing in Ani Ramen, which is a Japanese ramen restaurant. I'm actually one of the co-owners of the two locations in Jersey City, Summit, and then Maplewood, which is opening next month, and then American Dream, which is a big mall that's opening next to the Meadowlands or MetLife Stadium. So that one was interesting because it was my Muay Thai instructor who came up to me and said, hey, I know you have experience investing in restaurants. The owner of Ani Ramen wants me to invest in Summit and Maplewood. Can you help me analyze the opportunity? The first thing I asked him was, "Can you do you trust them? And he's like, yes, he's been a friend of mine. And the Muay Thai instructor and I have been friends for eight or nine years. Mm. And then I analyzed the financials for him. And I said, oh, I would invest in Ani Ramen. And I, it was one of my favorite places in Jersey City. So there's the situation where I didn't really know the ownership group. Mm. I did meet with them several times and they met with me because at the end of the day, they want a silent partner Mm -hmm. who could help them out 
And that's how I got involved in those restaurants. Then I recently, two months ago, actually invested in a technology company. So that was my first tech investment. It's called Mogul, which is a woman's Uh platform that basically is focused on productivity, creating a community to help women find career opportunities at major Fortune 500 companies. Gary Vee is an investor in that company, Susie Orman as well, the founder of Match.com and some other, the Hearst Corporation, which is also a media company, Mm -hmm. is one of the prime lead investors. And that was interesting because the woman who founded it, Tiffany Fan, I've known her for seven years. We're actually in an accelerator, an entrepreneurship accelerator called Startup Leadership Program. And I was really impressed with her back in the day when we were in class together because it was basically a year-long course Mm -hmm. on entrepreneurship. And then a few months ago, she approached me about potentially investing in her company. And it was just something that was an easy sort of decision for me to do because she's an amazing person and has accomplished a lot. And the company's already extremely successful. So that's kind of the long... Yeah, yeah, no, you're a busy guy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, I mean, from what I'm hearing is definitely trust systems and then is followed by checking in the financials and a track record. Yeah. But then big word that sticks out is network, right? So the first investments sound like they were directly related to your market, your industry. Yeah. So it was because you kind of had your ear on the ground. You knew what was happening. You knew the trends that were emerging. So it was easier for you to jump Definitely. in. Was the restaurant because you also had one yourself or does just randomly happen that you started yeah. investing in the, the food business? Yeah. So that randomly happened. So I would tell you now that I'm involved in six restaurants, that the restaurant industry is a lot harder than I ever imagined it to be. But fortunately, I feel like I've invested in two great restaurants, Hudson Hall and Ani Rahman, that have done their extremely successful restaurants. But that one was more that the opportunity came. These opportunities are only really open to friends and family. So for me, like I don't have a background in hospitality or restaurants. I actually am not involved in the day-to-day in any of the restaurants. I really help with like high-level strategy and bringing events. And it was more like having that trust and seeing the vision of what the entrepreneurs had. And also if I feel like there's some sort of synergy with my business. Right. So like, uh, for example, I have a solar company that's based in Jersey City. Hudson Hall and Ani Raman are walking distance from my office. Clients love, would rather go there for lunch, dinner, than my office. And then also we have events there as well. So there are synergies between both. Also, they have relationships as well to people that I don't have access to. You Mm -hmm. talked about like the network of people, which is important. It's all about who you know. So I think those were kind of the big things too. The other thing with Mogul, there was a synergy as well with them because I learn from the entrepreneurs that I'm working with. I'm learning about other industries. I'm incorporating some of the things that I see to my own business because I'm constantly trying to adapt and learn. And what's exciting to me about the Mogul investment is they're very tech savvy. And I would say as a solar company, we're probably very tech savvy for a solar company, Mm -hmm. but not for the rest of... And we take a lot of things that we've learned from other industries and kind of incorporate it. Mm -hmm. The solar companies were a lot, and the municipal solid waste is a lot easier for me to invest in because I pretty much know that sector, you know, from the back of my hands. Gotcha. So now it sounds like even some of them where you're a silent partner and you're not involved in day-to-day, outside of obviously an accountant and a lawyer, right, who helps you sort out through their agreements and how the financials will be structured. How does one time manage that? 
How do you time manage it? Right? Yeah, so I would say on 95% of my time is spent on the solar company and 5% is spent on the investments. And then it's more like almost like a passive income stream, like I'm collecting checks every month, every quarter. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it is actually challenging because there are things that are coming up that I have to handle. So it's really like just time management, kind of focusing on the three things that are important for all my businesses and all the businesses that I invested in to be there if it's important, it's based on priorities. So right, right, that's right. kind of helped me. Like I basically, in the beginning of the day, come up with the, what are the three most important things that will move the needle? Mm -hmm. And if that involves like outside of my solar business, then that's fine. You know, any way that I could help these businesses that I've invested in, invest in the people, you know, I'm helping them as well with other stuff. For example, Ani Ramit, I helped them raise a lot of money for mm. restaurants that they're opening in the future. We're meeting two weeks from now on a strategy session of me bringing in other investors since their growth has been pretty amazing in a very short period of time. Yeah, awesome. I think that's, it's not easy, I could tell you. And then there's also so much Variable, and I'm constantly, I could tell you, I'm constantly overwhelmed. And what really got me interested in investing in other businesses was my favorite show, Shark Tank. Of course. So, you know, I've taken a lot, almost watched every episode, every season. Uh -huh. So it's interesting because now I start thinking the way they do. that they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And quickly being able to analyze And ask it. maybe the same question. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I started my, the shark <laughs> to kind of see, maybe I'll eventually get on the show one day. That would I be a dream. I love that show. Yeah, I met Damon John a few weeks ago and that was like really amazing. He's one of my favorite sharks on Shark Tank, Mark Cuban, Lori Grenier, and Barbara Cochran. And so, and actually it's interesting from that accelerator that I was in startup leadership program, there've been several people from our class that have been on Shark Tank mm. and that got funded actually on Shark Tank. Wow. There was one company that Robert Hershevik funded with someone who was in my class. Amazing. at Startup Leadership Program. It's just amazing to kind of see these people that you're in class with. Right, right, And right. they're, you know, pitching on, on Shark Journey. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's just amazing to kind that's of a, see. That was, that's definitely going to be my next question. So for, I have a tons of listeners that are sort of in the same position that I am. I'm heavy in the real estate industry and whether it's a spec home builder, custom sure. home builders, multi-unit developers. I mean, we have clients in Boston and relationships in Boston. So they're constantly being pitched opportunities. I'm constantly being pitched opportunities. And with just this lack of knowledge and the experience that you have, it's extremely hard for me to just quickly analyze it, right? In a nutshell, as recent as two weeks ago, a car wash had approached me. Yeah. And because of my new company, Roman Group Media, sure. they've asked for me to come on board take care of the marketing, be the in-house CMO Definitely. in exchange for profit share, right? Definitely. And it was sort of like a shock to my system because yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this is like a Shark Tank episode. I have yeah. no <laughs> idea how to respond to this, right? This guy's throwing out numbers and I'm like, okay, yeah. man, I can figure that out. What would you say in a nutshell, quick punchline, an average return that you would look for in whatever the business it may be, what kind of a term and what kind of a time investment would be expected of you? Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of different questions in there. I mean, for me, from a return perspective, it has to be a double digit or over return to get me excited. The other thing that I didn't mention is that I actually invest in stocks. Mm. So I basically use like Warren Buffett's sort of valuation methodology of investing in publicly traded companies. And I've been extremely successful in that and holding these positions for a long time. And then I have to feel like there's a synergy with my business or what I could add value to them. One thing, if I'm just investing money into the business, I'm already accepting that I might not get that money back. 
mm-hmm. that potentially the first thing is it's interesting because I learned this from reading all these Dale Carnegie books, but accept the worst that could happen, that you could lose everything. So after I invested in these businesses, I'm not thinking about the money that I invested. I'm thinking about how I could add value and help them and through this situation. So, and then what you're talking about too is a little bit different, right? Because it sounds like there's some sort of profit sharing where they might not be charging you fees right. or you might not be charging right. them. Exactly. So it's my, it's more of like sweat equity, mm-hmm. which I haven't was involved in a solar company like that. For me, it's really like whether you're confident in the people and what they're saying. I always like people are pitching me all the time with them. I have to feel like they could do it. And then I also just like the initial conversations, I have to feel like we're on the same page because I'm all about being direct transparent, honest. There's certain values that I'm trying to look for. Of course. And then so part of the questioning process is part of that. Also, if you believe that you could add that value to, for example, with Roman Media Group, mm-hmm. I'm sure car washes at least are not that savvy. Right. And I'm marketing. sure you could potentially right. could add so much value. For sure. And potentially if there's so obviously if you just recently started the company and if you think it's a great opportunity and it's worth your time, because this is the thing. One thing too that I actually have a challenge is saying no. And I have to get better at saying no because I'm getting inundated with so many opportunities. Remember, by you saying no to something, yes to everything or yes to certain things, you're saying no automatically to other things. Of course. And everyone's time is limited. So it's really like from a gut feel. I'm not totally into the contract or the financials. Things in all these deals are actually all completely structured differently. Of course, makes sense. As well. So it's just unique to the industry. And Awesome. That's good advice. Very good advice. And then the the follow-up question was, as you mentioned the accelerator. I've always been extremely curious about the atmosphere and sort of like just the couple sentences on that, right? Because it sounds like it's not only created an amazing network opportunities, but it's obviously educated you a lot and on the startup world, on probably how the investments are done, sweat equity, scalability, the finances of all of that world. So was it something that you really happy you did? Um, do you recommend it? Yeah, definitely. I highly recommend these entrepreneurship accelerators. If you have the opportunity, you should definitely apply. Obviously, Techstars is probably the most famous one, and you have to give a certain amount of equity to be involved with it. I was in the startup leadership program, which is a popular one. And it was really helpful for me because that was about seven years ago. So I started my business August of 2012. I got into the accelerator that started November of 2012 and then ended May of 2013. What blew me away was, I think there's right now, they're actually going through their, there's like a 4% acceptance rate for this accelerator now. Mm. Like it's amazing how popular it's gotten. But what blew me away is like the students in our class. It was mm. all different people. But I was just blown away with how smart everyone was, how determined, dedicated, and everyone was unique in their own way. So I learned so much with doing like these group project works. What they would do is like have evening sort of classes that VC firms and law firms were basically subsidizing our program. We did have to pay for it. And then meeting as well, like amazing people. Like I met Esther Dyson, who's actually one of the first investors of Facebook. And she spoke at one of the events and then she met 
met with me as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, this person is willing to actually spend her time, which is extremely valuable. So I think, and what I learned in the class and even now, like the network of people. If, for example, I was talking to you, Tim, that I have my own podcast mm -hmm. called The Solar Maverick Podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts in solar. But Kevin, who actually edits our podcast, who's the producer of podcast from Podcast Laundry, I met him because he was an alumni of the Startup Leadership Program. And I was at an alumni event last year. I mentioned as well, Tiffany, who I invested in Mogul, mm -hmm. she and I got to know each other doing this class together for a year and then we stayed in touch. So from a networking opportunity of current people you or alumni of the program, also people that you're in class with, and it also too, like obviously some of these tech accelerators are extremely competitive right. to get into. People look at it like, oh wow, like that person came out of that program. Obviously we're having as well successful people who are having successful exits with their company, successfully raising money or even getting funded on Shark Tank. So right. that as well helps the reputation. Of course, of course, a great well. stepping stone for sure for anyone in that For world. anyone. So I definitely suggest if you, it's definitely worth it. And there are several entrepreneurship accelerators out there that are global as well, startup leadership programs around the world. Makes sense. Now, the cost of entries are basically an equity trade-off. Is that what that is? Or So actually, a startup leadership program, you don't actually provide any equity to be part of the program. Just a paid. It's, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's like now they only charge $500 to $700 for a year program. And by the way, that's like we would do night classes Wow. you know, once That's a week like, from six to nine. Yeah. And it's basically being funded by law firms, VC, yeah. angel investors, because obviously they want to have an opportunity to get to, to the know first the dibs, yeah. dibs. So it's definitely awesome. something to look yeah, into. Yeah, you're, you're actually segueing it perfectly. So that's one of the last things I wanted to touch on is when we met right away, I was like, I have to have you on. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking to obviously interview better, bigger guests. I mean, so far, you're definitely like, I would say the shark tank quality quality type sure. of uh, guests. And I'm super thankful for that because you're able to share your wealth of knowledge with my listeners. And my podcast being brand new right away, you were like, by the way, next week or in two weeks, I'm going to the podcast conference. I have a podcast that just recently launched, I believe you said as, as early as recent as November, yeah, right? Of, oh, last and year, it's yes. top in your niche. Yeah. And also you're now immersed in this sort of category <laughs> and you're really taking all these steps. You already have yeah. sponsors. So tell me how the podcast happened and tell me a little bit more about the conference you want to. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Schwerd Consulting for being the sponsor for this episode. Schwerd Consulting is a leading solar consulting firm dedicated to design, engineering, and owner's representation in all areas of solar voltaics for the commercial, industrial, and utility markets. At Schwerd Consulting, they like to say, we know solar. We don't just do solar. What sets them apart is their 100% focus on solar and understanding the business of their clients. And it's five years of business, Schwerd Consulting has provided services for approximately 450 megawatts of PV across over 330 sites and 15 states plus the Caribbean. That total includes 300 megawatts of completed designs and engineering and 150 megawatts of consulting and owner rep services. Let Schwerd Consulting take the burden off you and bring ease and expertise in all areas of engineering and design or help you navigate the technical world of solar. If you're interested in learning more about Schwerd Consulting, you can call at 215-219-6718 or email at admin at schwerdconsulting.com. Schwerd Consulting website is www.schwerdconsulting.com. 
We'll also have this information as well in the notes of the podcast. Steve Schwert, who's the owner of Schwert Consulting, was interviewed on episode 17 and 48 of the Solar Maverick podcast, and also episode 42, which was a panel discussion on how solar technology is changing the world. Thank you to Schwert Consulting for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. My podcasting journey has been an amazing journey. Kevin, who I mentioned, he has his company, Podcast Laundry. I met him in an event in July, that startup leadership program. So this all happened actually through the accelerator. It was an event where we're actually meeting new candidates for the program. And then he told me that he had a podcast called the Create Your Life series, which is on all the major platforms and Sirius XM radio. And I asked him, hey, can I be on your podcast? And he said, sure. And then we, so I actually did the interview on the podcast, August of 2018. It released September of 2018. My marketing person, Lee Wang, who's also my publicist, listened to the interview. He was like, I'm blown away by listening to this interview. We should do a solar podcast. So then we actually uh, hired Kevin, his company, Podcast Laundry, to come up with the strategy of our podcast. And basically, from the podcast coming out September, Kevin's podcast that I was interviewed in the middle of September of 2018, we then came out with my podcast, which is the Solar Maverick podcast, which was November 15th of 2018. We come out actually with an episode every Tuesday. Lee Wang, who's my marketing person, is also the co-host. And then also Suzanne Waters, who works for me as well, is a co-host. Then we interview different people in the industry. We come out with episodes every Tuesday. And it's been amazing. It's now one of the most popular podcasts in solar energy. We focus on solar and entrepreneurship. And I was telling Tim about this before. It's just every week, the podcast just keeps getting bigger and bigger with the amount of listeners that we're having who are downloading it. It's amazing. And I know you experienced this as well with only four to five episodes now that you've released. How many people reach out to us Absolutely. because of the podcast? So we're right now inundated with emails, phone calls. What's amazing to me is our whole goal was when you look at the solar industry, is there anyone who really has a big personal brand for solar? Everyone thinks of probably Elon Musk, That's but it. everyone else, there's some people that I know, but not everyone knows. So what's crazy to me is people are going to think of, when they think of solar energy, Benoit, they're going to think of you. And it's been amazing. We've had TV opportunities come along. We've so far turned them down. We're actually working on our own YouTube channel amazing. called the Solar Maverick Podcast. Well, Solar Maverick YouTube channel. And then the crazy thing for me is when I go to solar conference, so many people will come up to me and then they'll recognize me from my voice the picture. and then the picture. Yeah. The other thing too, there's solar podcast, but we're the only solar podcast that you have the picture of the host. So people- There's the brand. It's now. all about personal branding yep. now. So like obviously Gary Vee talks about his personal brand, Ty Lopez, all the sort of people. So it was just amazing to me that none of the other podcasts did that. And so people recognize me at conferences will come up to me or people recognize my voice. They're like, I listen to you every Tuesday while I drive or when I do Love my it. outdoor run. You said this, which really kind of helped me. So it's amazing because I'm passionate about renewable energy and sustainability. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship. I'm passionate about leaving an impact mm. and adding value. So it's been an amazing journey. As I said to him too, I just came back from podcast movement last week in Orlando, Florida. Very if you're not familiar, it's the biggest podcast conference 
in the world. There are 3,000 people at this conference, and it was all about podcasting. And I focused on the monetization and marketing of the podcast. And it was amazing for me. The people that, like, for example, I was actually, I met Lewis House, and he has the podcast, The School of Greatness. Oh, yeah. And he was one of the first podcasts that I ever listened to. I told him it was actually an interview that he had with Julian Huff, mm -hmm. Julian Huff from Dancing with the Stars, mm -hmm. that he did like three years ago. And that's what got me excited about podcasting. Then I was waiting in the registration line. John Lee Dumas, who also has Entrepreneurs on Fire, was standing next to me. So it's amazing that I was in, I had also VIP access to the conference and then I'm sitting in the same desk as Pat Flynn. Wow, wow. And he was one of, as well, one of the first podcasters. And it was just exciting to kind of be immersed in the podcasting community. Podcasting still is in the early infancy stages. Right. It's great marketing. Like right now, Tim, we're talking right here, but I would say within this hour, 30 to 40 people have downloaded the library of our podcast, which is amazing because as you know, being in marketing, it's all about scalability. 100%. And people build this relationship and connection and it's great for branding. So it's been an amazing journey. We're still learning what we're trying to do, but it's been getting better and better. We now have sponsorships as well, as you mentioned. So less than a year out of starting the podcast. And what's amazing too, is we're a very niche mm -hmm. podcast and a lot of senior people within the industry are listening to it and commenting on it yeah. and recognizing it. We did our first live podcast in front of an audience awesome. Tuesday, July 30th in Jersey City. We just came out with that episode on how solar technology is changing the world. It's episode 42 of the Solar Maverick podcast. So it's been an amazing journey and I'm excited that you're a part of it, the formula. And I yeah. listened to it and I was really impressed appreciate with, it yeah yeah no definitely i mean and, and that's the part that i usually like to close it out with is the part that obviously is my passion and that's marketing and you coming from this conference which was you said that there's different categories that you could concentrate on right the production of it the creative and then you really were interested in the monetization and the marketing aspect yes. of it and that's something that i'm extremely passionate about it my mentor gary v told me that if i didn't start a podcast the next time he'd see me <laughs> he'd punch me in my face so here we are and it was something that i struggled with as well because Roman Group Media was sort of born organically. I was featured in his book. A ton of small businesses and medium-sized businesses started reaching out to me because of how successful my first two businesses were. One was built on a backbone of just search engine optimization, like Web 1.0. This new business was completely, you no know, seven-figure business, is built completely off the backbone of Instagram, organically mostly. As recent as last year, we started doing Facebook advertising. Obviously, I'm always looking for expertise and vice versa. What would you say that is interesting Interesting to you in the sense of not only just marketing the podcast, but this current state of digital marketing and podcasting just being one arm of it, right? We have audio, video, written word, and written word is obviously it's taken the backseat right now a little bit, which is SEO, blogs, and things like that. Definitely. But video and audio are the dominant ones. What excites you about this era that we're going through right now? Yeah, so I think there's a couple sort of points. I think everything is about building your personal brand. People want to see a face that they trust and obviously podcasting is a way of people getting to know you but I really think the future is in video you're obviously seeing a lot of video content on Instagram it's amazing how much you see for me too it was eye-opening my marketing person Lee Wang and my publicist he told me Benoit just start creating videos because I have the hesitation of creating videos so I created actually a minute video that I did the roof of the New York Housing Authority. We're mm. doing the roof assessments mm -hmm. for the solar projects we're developing. Our primary 
alternative marketing channels, LinkedIn, because we're more of a professional consultant, B2B. consulting mm -hmm. B2B. But it was crazy to me because of the engagement that we got versus the podcast. So basically right. there were 3,000 views wow. of this minute video that I created, 55 likes, 20 comments, and then there was four or five leads that came and then there was a speaking opportunity at a conference. So that really shows me like the engagement for video is what is really important. Obviously podcasting is a part of it, yep. but I think there's a huge opportunity with video and people wanting to get to know you. And it's just amazing to me. You know, you could just use an iPhone wow. with the 4K with streaming. Yeah. The, the technology is pretty amazing. It's pretty inexpensive. It doesn't have to be professionally cut, you know, maybe some editing, but I think it's an exciting time with creating content. Gary Vee obviously mentioned, and we talked about it when we first met about the benefits of podcasting and yep. how you could use it for a lot of different content pieces. Segmented. Segmented, which actually I heard multiple times at Podcast Movement. So basically, obviously, you know, you have the podcast, which is the audio, which is on all major platforms. I recommend as well putting it on YouTube mm -hmm. because obviously Google's all about search. YouTube, they're going to give a priority to it. I know I mentioned to you as well, Tim, that one of the things that I learned at the podcast conference is that we were actually planning to transcribe all the podcasts Same for here. search, yep. but Google's actually going to start doing that with all podcasts so that when you do a Google search, podcasts will come start up. Start ranking. That start ranking. So from a content perspective and SEO, like podcasts, this is a great way. You obviously could take snippets, you could create videos. We're actually planning on then actually almost similar to what Gary did on Crush It and some of his other book, basically transcribe the podcast into a book. Yep. I'm so excited. I mean, just to be immersed at the podcast community for five days, it was just an amazing, and I, I feel imagine. like there's so much opportunity and I'm glad that you took the first step forward because I think the hardest part of starting the podcast is the first for episode. Sure. For sure. And that's great that you're- No, hearing all this definitely just motivates me even more and I'll, I'll definitely be reaching out for advice and, <laughs> and as we hit our learning curves, if you will. Definitely. Definitely. And I'm still figuring things out too. So I don't yeah, know. And then, yeah, when, you know. you know, so my strongest is the output, right? Is the distribution. So depending on how you guys decide to position it, whether it's to keep your efforts strong B2B, yeah. right? Being that that's your main consumer, I'd love to like come in and help you guys strategize and just give you my insight on what's been most successful for me. One of my strongest is Facebook advertising. That's something that yeah. I've got down really well. And I've been doing that successfully for other brands now and launching activating, scaling. Sure. I'd love to help you guys out however I can. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's really helpful because as we mentioned before, we made a great point, Tim, it's about scalability, yep. right? And that's where marketing, content marketing, SEO marketing, using social media platforms, it's just the way of doing business. And yep. it's the most scalable, which yep. I'm all about scalability. Yeah, the business brand. is the yeah, the business is the fire and the scalability is the gasoline that you can pour <laughs> yeah, on it. That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. And I you know that's something that I've got to witness firsthand because we do so much A-B testing with our campaigns and marketing campaigns that we do for our clients. And we usually are very good at combining Instagram and Facebook together. Instagram being a lot more influencer marketing based, brand awareness, top funnel strategy, and then Facebook being really narrow, hyper-targeted. Yeah. And combining those two, we've been able to, like we've had a brand that is in the fashion industry launch on Instagram, now only lives on Instagram, and they're about to hit seven figures within you wow. know 10 months. Because once you see the channel work, now it's just about how much more can we put in it 
because we already know the return on ad spend. Sure. We know the ROI. We know what the impressions will be. We know what the what leads are generated based on X amount of impressions and visits and so on and so forth. So like that's the subject that I'm super excited about. And now I'm just now learning how to integrate the audio and video into that creatively and contextually so it's scalable. Yeah, and that's interesting to me because as I mentioned, like we've been focused on building my personal brand. So just as for solar, but as well as an entrepreneur and everything is about building your personal brand. And Instagram obviously is huge in that. So, you know, helping being an influencer, obviously I'm always looking at other businesses to get involved with that are scalable. So I would definitely love to yeah, we'll keep this going. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. And again, I'm sure this is going to this is going to blow up because you're a well of knowledge and maybe we'll have like a follow up and do a version two of this. I would love to. I mean, this has just been amazing. You know, Tim, I was impressed when I listened to the first four episodes of The Formula. So thank you. Awesome. It's an honor to be here and I'm excited to be part of your podcast journey and happy to come anytime on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick podcast. The Solar Maverick podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangin and Kevin Y. Brown. 